Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. We think it's going to encourage and inspire you. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. If you guys could just stay standing for a moment, we're just going to read a passage of scripture. Just keep our hearts open to what God wants to do. Uh, We just finished a series, nine weeks in the book of Genesis. Come on, somebody, anyone blessed? Nine weeks, man, I believe that in that series, God was doing things. I believe God was changing things, but I'm excited for what's next. Come on, somebody, I'm excited for what's next. You see, the beauty of the God that we serve, the Bible says that God does not want to keep us somewhere. God wants to take us from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from victory to victory. Come on, somebody. So I believe that when our hearts are open, God works God deposits so there's a word for us this morning Romans chapter 12 then I'll share our title you can take a seat in a moment therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, I say it to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Y'all ain't all that. Come on, somebody. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. If you guys have been in church for a long, long time, this will sound like a churchy title. I'm hoping to bring it to 2020, but I want to call this message this morning, Death to Self. Death to Self. Hey, you guys can clap your hands for the worship team. Thank you guys so much. So happy you guys can be here. You guys can be seated, man. We love you guys. Uh, If you're new to Kingdom Church, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. Just honored you guys took the time to be with us this morning. Uh, And I'm just so happy. I'm so thankful that uh, in life, in these crazy times that we live in, uh, we have a place and we have a God that is not so crazy. And we have a God that can offer us a firm foundation. And uh, I'm just so pumped uh, for what God's about to do as we enter into this new season as a church First weekend of September, uh, happy long weekend. Everyone watching online, so glad you guys tuned in. Uh, just honored, again, that you join us. Um, I probably don't have to tell you guys this, but 2020 has been a crazy year. Anyone agree 2020 has been a crazy year? Like, we're, uh, we're as a church about to celebrate two years in two weeks. Come on, somebody. And I've been saying it and I've been teasing it. We're about to party like it's two years. So it's going, to be, it's going to be a really good time, but um, as we kind of move forward in this season, I always like to reflect back on what God has done, and uh, it's so weird because, like, as I was trying to reflect on this year, it was really hard to think about anything before COVID. Like, I was trying to think back to December. I was trying to think back to November. Like, we didn't sanitize our hands back then. I know it's hard to believe, um, and so it's just, it's been a crazy year, and I think one thing I've noticed in this last year is that, is that more so than ever, I've found that there's so many people trying to figure things out. Just trying to fi- and one thing I've seen in, in this last number of months, there's been this insistency with people to try to figure out where they stand and where other people stand. In, in a nutshell, I, I've found that so many people are trying to figure out one thing. Who are the good people 
And who are the bad people? And it's funny because as these months have gone by, the barometer for who is good and who is bad has changed. Six months ago, if you guys remember, the good people stayed at home all day and went shopping once a week just for essentials. Those were the good people. But it changes, the barometer changes. And so a number of months ago, it was like, okay, the good people, the good people, they go and protest. The bad people, well, they stay at home. And now here we are today, and it's like, well, the good people wear masks, the bad people don't. And so what happened, what I found in, this, in these last number of months, there's been this insistency with people to try to figure out not only who is good and who is bad, but more importantly, where do I stand? What am I? Who, who am I? Am I a good person or I'm a, am I a bad person? And so in the midst of this craziness, people have been looking for answers. People have been looking for something where they can figure out who am I, where do I stand? And then this thing came out called the shopping cart theory. Anyone hear this? I'm going to read it in a second. But this thing came out called the shopping cart theory, and I saw it online. And for so many people, they realized, oh, my gosh, my life makes sense now. This is how I judge myself. This is the barometer for good people and bad people. Can I read it to you guys? We're going to read a little bit. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. This is the shopping cart theory. This is how we know who is good and bad. It says, to return the shopping cart is an easy and convenient task and one which we all recognize as the correct thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations or dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return the cart. Simultaneously, it's not illegal to abandon the shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of what, uh, whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you. No one will kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do. Because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal. An absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with the law and the force that stands behind it. Now, for so many people, when they read this, they said, life makes sense. All the bad people in my life, they probably don't put the shopping cart away. I always put, I'm a good person. You see, I read the shopping cart theory and um, it sounds good, but there's one issue with it. Let me tell you the, the one issue with it. Because I'm going to be honest, because it's church. We can be honest here. One thing we say in church is take off your masks. We don't say it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to take off my mask. We're going to be honest for a second. I'm going to be honest. I put the shopping cart back most of the time. 90% of the time. But sometimes, come on, someone say sometimes. I'm in a hurry. And I just got to go. Sometimes there's some blessed saints that have decided to make their own shopping cart drop off in the parking lot right beside me. And it's just more convenient. Sometimes. Listen, I want to put the shopping cart away. I agree it's good, but sometimes I just don't. But for so many people, this is like, this is the barometer. These are the good people. This is the bad people. But 
what I want to point out and where I want to go this morning, because I hope that I can bring clarity for people that have been, that have been seeing things through, through, through murky waters. I want to bring some clarity. How do I define my life? Is my life really about being good or bad? So I talk to so many people. It's like, I'm just, I just want to be a good person. Here is the ultimate irony with the shopping cart theory, and here is the ultimate irony with I believe everything that's happened in our world in the last six months and really in all of human history. As hard as we try to be good, we will still inevitably be bad. As hard as we try, I'm still not good enough. And so I look at our world where there's this division, this division and this dissension where people are literally hating each other. They're, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think that one of the reasons there's this tremendous amount of, of hate and tension between these groups is because they're trying to keep score on a scoreboard that cannot and will not work. Because the reality is none of us are good enough. But I came to bring some good news this morning because the way in which God looks at us, the way in which God judges us, God does not use that scoreboard. God, you can clap your hands. God does not say, that's a good person, that's a bad person. God doesn't use that scoreboard. Well, Harrison, how does God see me then? I'm so happy for the word. Because I don't have to tell you. I'm going to let someone tell us who I believe said it better than I ever could 2,000 years ago. I want to read three verses in scripture, and we read them at the start, but I really want to dive into them. And I truly believe that if we let this penetrate our heart, it has the power to change everything. And I believe if we understand this, we can see how God actually wants us to live. What if it was never about being good? What if God had a different scoreboard? So Romans is a book, if you're new to the Bible, first time in church, listening online, wherever you may be, Romans is found in the New Testament. The Bible is split into two Testaments, Old and New. New Testament, Jesus, Old Testament, before Jesus. Romans was written by a man named Paul to, guess who? Romans. Some of y'all are like, I thought the Bible was so confusing. Simple. Paul wrote this book. It's in the New Testament. This is after the time of Jesus. And I believe Paul gives us some simple clues on what it means to actually follow God? What does God call of us? This is what he says, Romans 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what, what is Paul saying? What does God want us to do? God wants us to be a living sacrifice. That's the answer. Let's pray. But we need to understand what this really means. You see, when Paul uses the word sacrifice, this is a very vivid illustration for this time. Because for so many people, when it came to how they related to God, their belief was the only way we relate to God is through sacrifice. If I want to connect with God, I bring him something. If I want him to forgive me, I bring him something. If I need grace, I sacrifice something. And so in their context, for, for, for the Jewish people, they would literally bring animals and goats, and, and calves, and they would sacrifice it to God. And that was how they thought, this is how God approves of me, based on what I give him. And some of us, like, that sounds archaic. But the reality is, that mindset is a mindset that so many of us have today. It's like, I, I want to follow God, but I don't know if I have enough to give him. Because I think if, if, if God wants to approve of, if, if, if I want God to approve of me, I have to have something to give him. 
You're like, Harrison, what does that look like? Listen, I talked to so many people. They're like, yeah, I think I just have to go to church on certain days. That's, that's how God approves me. Depending on when I go to church. You guys have met these people, right? It's like, yeah, I go on Christmas and Easter. Why? Because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. It's, it's a sacrifice. We call those people CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> but it's a mindset. You guys have these friends. I know you do. Where it's like, well, I only go, tw- because I, I think that is what God requires of me. It's a sacrifice. For some people, it's literally like this. I just have to give God some money. I have to give him an offering. And listen, there are people literally at this church that give to this church, and I'm not going to tell them to stop. (laughs) But listen, their hearts are far from God and they've never been here. And I know this personally. They have this picture that says, I just need to give because I think if I give this sacrifice, God will approve of me. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to give. Auto deposit. Get on auto deposit. (laughs) It's the modern idea that says how I relate to God is based on what I can give him. What Paul's trying to do, Paul's trying to flip that upside down. He's saying God doesn't want a sacrifice. God doesn't want something that will die. God wants a living sacrifice. He wants wants every part of you, every every fabric of our being. God wants it all. He wants our heart. He wants us to be a living, breathing sacrifice. It means everything I am is his. Everything I do is because of him. It's, It's everything. Listen, so many of us try to compartmentalize what it means to follow God. It's like, I wonder what part of my life I'll give God. I'm gonna give him this, not that. This. Listen, if you've been married, if you are married, can you imagine the first day home? It's like, honey, come to the living room for a second. We need to split this house up to figure out which rooms are mine and which are yours. Don't touch that room. That's mine. God says, I want a living sacrifice. I want every part of you. I don't want just a little bit. I want it all. Some people are like, oh, it's one of those churches, eh? That's a lot, Harrison, because I don't even know if Jesus is real. That's a lot because I can't give him. You're saying my time. You're saying my talent. You're saying my treasures. He wants all of it. What do you you mean living sacrifice? Here's the beauty. Paul doesn't start at living sacrifice. There's something before that. He lets us know. Let's go back for a second. Verse 1, again, he says, therefore I urge you. Look at the underlying part. It says, in view of of God's mercy, to offer yourself a living. In view of God, you can't miss this. Because if you miss this, nothing else makes sense. And you will end up on a pattern, you will end up chasing something that you will never achieve. Trying Trying to get God to approve of you. He says, in view of God's mercy. So listen, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, I'm not sure why you're here. If you're taking notes... Write this one down and I'll really suss it out. Just write down, put it in view. Put it in view. I'm talking about our lives. Put it in view. Put it in view. You see, for so many of us, we go straight to living sacrifice, but we never put it in view. This is why people have a bad taste when it comes to Christians. Because it's like, well, all the Christians I know, they just tell me to stop drinking, stop smoking, stop swearing, stop, 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 stop. It's like, what do you mean stop? It's because it's they skip a step. It's why for some people, they grow up their whole lives in church, but they have no idea 
about who Jesus is, just what they're supposed to do, just how they're supposed to act. Paul says, no, 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 put it in view. Put it in view. In view of what? He says, in view of God's mercy. What's mercy mean? What does mercy mean? I'll give you the simplest definition of mercy. It's simply this, to hold back what you deserve. To hold back what you deserve. He says, in view of God's mercy. Listen, 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 listen. Here is the problem with the shopping cart theory. Here is the problem with good or bad. We all know this deep down in our hearts. We're messed up. I'm bad. And there's nothing I could do. There's no sacrifice that is great enough that could take that away. But when he says, in view of God's mercy, what is God's mercy? Let's go to Romans 5, because Paul tells us. This is beforehand. He says, but God, someone shout, but God. That's my two favorite words in scripture. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's the mercy? The mercy is this. Jesus knows everything about me. And he said, you're still worth it. You're still worth it. Listen, I, I was talking to someone this week about transparency. And I said, it's really good when we confess things to each other to get it out in the open. But what I said is this. At the very end of the day, every single one of us knows this to be true. We have never and we will never confess everything in our lives. Y'all know those thoughts you have sometimes? They're like, man, if someone heard this right now, that would be the end of me. Or maybe it's, it's, a, it's a past, it's, it's a secret, it's something dark. And no one else knows. Guess what? Jesus knows everything. Jesus sees everything. But it says while we were still sinners. Doesn't say when you got it together. Doesn't say when you were following him. Doesn't say when you loved him. Doesn't say while you were a sacrifice. It says well, you were messed up. In the depths of your sin, Jesus died for you. This is why we worship. Right? I'm going to call some people out right now because a lot of us, and this is what Lael was trying to do, but Lael's not going to do it. I'm going to do it. For a lot of us, we come to worship and it's like this. <laughs> but when OG Ananobi hits the shot, y'all know what you do. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the Raptors didn't die for you. The Oilers didn't die for you. Jesus, come on, somebody. And so, listen, I used to, I, I, used to, I used to really care what people thought about me when I worshiped. Because I'm like, I want to raise my hand. Everything in my spirit wants to raise it. But what will they think about me? But then I realized, wait a second, they didn't die for me. Jesus died for me. I realized, no, these guys don't know my deepest, darkest secrets. These guys don't know how messed up I am. Only Jesus knows. Only Jesus has seen it all. And so I'm going to praise him regardless. <laughs> While we were still sinners. Listen, listen, listen. This should change our lives around in view of God's mercy. Write this one down. God knows me completely, yet he loves me unconditionally. Knows me completely, but he loves me unconditionally. Listen, if we don't know this, nothing else matters. Because when I say living sacrifice, you should run to the doors if you don't know this. Because that's everything. That's everything. If you don't understand this, nothing else makes sense. I was talking to someone recently about tithing. And if you guys don't know what tithing is, it's this principle uh, where you give the first 10% of your income uh, to the Lord. And it's a practice that blesses us as a family. And I was talking to someone, and he said something very interesting. He said, hey, you know what? 10% is hard. 
that's really hard. That's a lot. Now, in the moment, I don't always have the right things to say, and so I didn't really say anything, but I'll say it now. I said, the reason it's hard is because you're not putting it in view. It's because your view in this money is yours. It's not yours. You see, if I realize I'm only here, I'm only alive because of the mercy of God, I only have what I have because of the grace of God, what is grace? Unmerited favor. You're blessed because of him. And so it's not that I'm giving 10% to God, it's that God's allowing me to keep 90%. It's all his. And, and listen, understand this, understand this. Tithing is not a principle. It's not something that we have to do. It's more of a practice. And it's something that I believe will bless you. Because if you want me to get to practicalities, the practicality is this. Paul says 100%. It's all God. It means in any given moment, God might say, you need to give right here, right now. More than that thing you have scheduled out. It's all his. My life is his. Everything. I serve. Listen, when we understand this, every aspect of God changes. Service changes. People on our team, you're not coming here out of obligation. You're coming here with anticipation. I get to serve the king because of what he's done for me. Because he's good. I serve because of his goodness. I serve because of his kingdom. But here's the thing. This sounds great, and I love the mercy, and I love the goodness of God. But y'all ever been there where it's like, man, I can't wait to serve Jesus? But then time goes by, and it's like, I also love to sleep. You guys ever been there? It's like, I want, I want to give, but those clubs are on sale. <laughs> Come on, golf. So the question is, how do we combat against that? Because like, I know God's so good. I know what he's done, yet I'm constantly battling against myself. This, this is where our title comes from. What do we have to do? We have to die to self. We have to die to ourself. Now, now what does that mean? It's really this example of basically just saying, you know what, I know what I want to do, but this is what I actually do. That's self. <laughs> self is what you actually do. And so for a lot of us, what we want to do doesn't match up what we actually do. And so Paul actually gives us some examples in a practical way in order that we can combat ourselves. How do we die to ourselves? Because I want to live this way. It sounds good. It gets us excited. Jesus has died for me, but how do I actually make this a reality? This is what he says. Romans 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the pattern? What's the pattern of the world? It's this. The pattern is the pull. The pattern is the pull. Each and every one of us, we feel that pull. It's that, it's that pull that takes us away. It's that pull that says, I want to do my own thing. We used to sing this song, and I'm looking at my friend, and we just sang, and it would say, we used to sing it out loud, and it was this. It's an old hymn, Come Thou Fount. And in the hymn, it says this, and we used to declare it because we felt it in our spirits. We wanted to be spiritual, but we were 18 years old. <laughs> it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's the pull. I love Jesus, but I know me. And so he says, do not conform to the pattern. What's the pattern? The pattern is the pull. Because here's the reality, friends. Because some of us are saying, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to serve no one. I'm a small business owner. I don't got no boss. The pattern and the reality is this. Each and every one of us serves something. The question will just be, who are you going to serve? 
Because if you're saying to yourself, I don't, I don't want to serve anything, I can guarantee you this, you probably serve your job. Your job is your master. Your job is your life. Your job is your purpose. And listen, there's nothing wrong with loving your job, but if the job is all you serve and it is what you serve, you want to know what, the, what it's going to bring us? It's going to bring us burnout. It's going to bring us chasing because we'll long and we'll long and we'll long and we'll realize, wait, that doesn't actually give me peace. There's only one. There's only one. So here's the question I want to ask. What are you going to serve? That's the question that God wants to ask us. What are you going to serve? Because the pull of our hearts and the reality is this. We have to serve something. I'm just a person. I'm not big enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not confident enough to not serve something. What are you going to serve? And so what he says, and, and here's the thing. Jesus is the only thing that we can serve that will actually give us a reward that's eternal. That will give us peace. That will give us patience. will give us kindness and joy. All these fruits of the Spirit. So he says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Do not conform, do not conform to the pull. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? What it means is I need to be in the battle. Because if I exit the battle, I'm going to serve something else. I've been telling you guys um, pretty much all summer that uh, we've been trying to sell our house. And uh, update for you guys, uh, our house right now, as of last Sunday, um, is pending. So it's almost sold. Come on. <laughs> almost sold. And so uh, what happened this week is, like, we got the news pending, super excited, um, and we're trying to move to St. Albert right here. And there's a house that we really liked in St. Albert. And the house had been on the market for like 150 days. Super nice house, just wasn't moving. And so when our house wasn't selling, we began to think, man, God must have this house ordained for us. This is our house. Come on, somebody. And so house is pending. Monday, we call our realtor. We say, hey, we want to go see the house again. We want to go see our house again. Come on, somebody. <laughs> just walk through it one last time. And so he's like, sure, we'll go at 5 o'clock. 4.15, our realtor calls, and he says, hey, I got some, uh, that's a lie, he's always positive. He's like, I got some news, I was going to say I have some bad news, but he never speaks that negatively. He's like, hey, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, the house is pending, and it's about to sell. And so in that moment, like, our hearts dropped. And it dropped for two reasons. Uh, number one, we like that house, but number two, we've been surveying the market here in St. Albert, and uh, literally for, like, a number of weeks, there was no new houses, and all the houses were selling. And so in that same week, our realtor said to us, he's like, yeah, we're talking around the office about St. Albert, and we've never seen anything like this. There's such a high demand, but there's such little houses available. And I said, thank you so much for the encouraging and positive words. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted to hear. And, and so listen, in that moment, I began to think, because I have two options. I can worry, or I can worship. And because I'm your pastor, I worried a little bit. <laughs> and so I'm not going to lie. I just began to kind of think of some things because I'm like, I'm like, man, this sounds amazing, but like, like that God's going to come through. But here's the way. I got, I got a family of four, brand new family of four. Like, we're, what if we're homeless? Like, my mom has a great basement, but please, God, no, I don't want to live there. Like, like what's going to happen? And so I just, I just began to worry and listen, I'm talking about renewing your mind. Let's keep that in mind. And so I was walking behind my house, and I was walking behind Save On Food, which I'll miss dearly when we move. 
And I was walking, and I know in my spirit I was worrying. But then out of nowhere, <clears throat> just something came in my spirit, and it just came out of my mouth, and I just began to sing. And I just began to sing, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my and, and it was weird because I was like, where, where did this come from? And I'm, I'm, I'm out loud here, not in my head, like out loud. Like, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like, where did this come from? Because, because I was worrying, I didn't, where did this come from? If you guys were at church last week, you know where it came from. We preached a message and said, sometimes the promise looks different. What do we do when the promise looks different? We fight. And we declared it as a church. We said, this is how I fight my battles. And I thanked the worship team yesterday. And I said, thank you guys for blessing me. You got me through this week. You actually renewed my mind. Some people are like, man, I think I can be a Christian by myself. No, you can't. Because the pull, we need people that can uplift us. We need a body of believers. We need a community to renew our minds, to renew our minds. And say, man, this is how I fight my battles. Listen, I'm going to be honest. And uh, as of yesterday, things are looking better. I'll, uh, I'll give you guys an update when we have a full one. But one thing I said to Christy in the midst of it all, and I said it not necessarily feeling it, but faith isn't a feeling. But I said, Christ, I said, I don't know how this is going to end, but I can't wait to see God come through. I was like, Chris, I don't know what it's going to look like, but, but God's really going to have to come through. As the week went on, like, Chris, we look like we're down right now, but God's going to come through. And because they, the worship team, renewed my mind, I wanted to renew her mind and say, God's got this. Listen, we need people. That's what Jesus does. Let me ask you, where has serving that other thing gotten you? Has it given you peace? I know there are people in here this morning, despite COVID, this has been your best financial year to date. Yet you don't feel like you have enough. You don't feel like it's good enough. I know there are people here and you've been slaving, but it's just not enough. Some of us have been feeding our addictions, but the path is just more, more, more. Listen, for some of us, it's relationships. Like I'm a server. I'm a, that's all I need but it will never be enough. Listen, this one might hurt. For some of us, we serve religion. And religion says, I have to do, 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 do. This is what I have to do to gain God's approval. I got to wear this, look like that, talk like that, worship here, do this, do that. You want to know what the result of that is? You'll never be a living sacrifice. You'll never be able to raise your hands because you're not here based on what God has done then. It's based on what you've done and how good you are. But when I stand here with my heart abandoned, it's because of Jesus. Listen, one thing my brother keeps saying to me this whole time, he's like, you just can't wait to sell your house so you can tell the story at church. <laughs> you know what I say? I say, yup. You wanna know why? Because if I'm a living sacrifice, that means there is nothing in my life that does not have the hand of God on it. Every, it's my testimony. I want to tell you some worship team, we can come up. I never gave you guys a cue. One thing 
I just believe this to be true. And it spoke to me profoundly last night. But one thing God said to me, and he said to me many years ago, and it was really a prayer I prayed to him. I said, God, where you go, I'll follow. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. I don't know what it's going to feel like, but where you go, I'll follow. You know what I'm happy about? I'm happy I never prayed a prayer that said, God, if I'm just enough, please use me. If I just act good enough, God, please use me. I'm just so thankful I never prayed that prayer. My prayer was simple, God, where you go, I follow. And you know what? That's, it's never been about me. It's always been about him. And so everything in my life is a testimony. Everything in my life is because of his goodness. It's because of his grace. Look at this. I want to preach the gospel really quickly. Romans 12. This is how he closes verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Why does Paul say this? Because here is the beauty of the gospel. And let's just stand for a second. I want us to really receive this. He says, by grace, do not think of yourself more highly. Because what he's saying, he's saying the moment you think you've done something, the moment you think you're good enough, you've lost sight of the gospel. Because the gospel says, I'm wicked, I'm wretched, I'm not good enough, I'm pulled away from God. Sometimes my heart doesn't even want to serve God, doesn't want to follow God, but God chooses me anyways. And so that humbles me. It's just by grace. I'm here by grace, friends. It's nothing else. It's not good or bad. I fall bad. I fall really, really, really bad. But thankfully, the scoreboard for Jesus doesn't say good or bad. It says grace. That's what it says. It says grace. And I just believe this in my spirit. Some of us, you're here for whatever reason. You think you're here for one, but I believe God brought you here for another. It's because you needed to hear the gospel. It's because you needed to hear that God has something for you, that God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten about you. He loves you the same way he loves you then and the same way he always will. That's the gospel. Listen, right now, we're going to pray in a second, but I really want to just, I want to sing this song together. It's a prayer. And for a lot of us, it's a prayer that is saying, God, take down the strongholds in my heart. Take down whatever that thing is that's saying, I, I, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if I, I can receive this. We're going to pray this together. We're going to sing this together. It's just so simple. It's I open up my heart to you. So right now, every head is bowed. Every eye is bowed. Come on. If you're comfortable, just open your hands up. You can raise your hands. We're going to sing this. We're going to declare this. I open up my heart. Come on, church. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, we would love to get in touch with you. So why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and connect with us today. Until next time, take care.